to Matthew 14. And I want to ask you to go to Matthew 14 tonight, but that, but I want you to, if you're, if you're a note taker, I want you to rest on Matthew 14. Um, but what I want to show you is what is uh, behind Matthew 14.25 and what is on the front of Matthew 14.25. So first, I want you to see, now if you go to Matthew uh, 14, what you'll see there, it, it, right around uh, verse 13, what do you see there? If you have your Bible, what do you see there around, uh, around 13? What you see there is the disciples and the feeding of the 5,000. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 story? Like they took the fish and the loaves and multiplied. It's an amazing story, right? So the disciples were a part of that experience with Jesus. And then if you kind of skip ahead a little bit, you'll go uh, all the way to verse 34, and you'll see that between the feeding of the 5,000, there's something that happens in the middle. Say, in the middle. middle. Amen. It's in the middle. Something happens between the assignment of, of God and the next assignment of God, between an experience with God and the next experience with God, something happens in the middle. Now, the, the, the thing that happens on the tail end is that many touch him and they're healed. Everyone who reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment is healed. That's all. But that was on the other side of, of, the, of the sea of the Sea of Galilee. So on one side, there is the, the feeding of the 5,000. On the other side, there is this amazing healing that takes place, and everyone who touches him is healed. You, you catching that? And then now let's catch up to the text today and uh, tonight, and we'll go, we'll start in, let's start right around well, we'll start in verse 22. Let's do that. Uh, immediately, Jesus made his disciples. This is immediately after the, the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately, it, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, and they, and they go before him to the other side. And while he sent his multitudes away, and when he had sent his multitudes away, he went up on top of the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. He was alone. But, but the, the boat was now in the middle of the sea. See where the boat was? Where was the boat? The boat's in the middle. The boat is in the middle. The disciples, where are the disciples then? They're up in the middle. They're between, they're between this miracle and that miracle. They're in the middle. Say, say it tonight, I'm in the middle. You are in the middle. The most of your life is lived, and I want you to grab this. Most of your faith life is lived in the middle. There they were in the middle of the sea, and they were tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. It was in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. The disciples were in the middle of the sea. They were all alone. There was nobody else around. There was solitude. They were in the middle of the night. The darkest time to be traveling. There they were in the middle of the night. And there they were caught in the middle of all the times for a storm to rise up. In the middle of the night, all alone by yourself, a storm's going to roll in, in the middle of the storm. And where were the disciples? Right there in the middle. The middle 
I want you to know. The middle, that's where Jesus walks on water. <laughs> and if you're in the middle of the night, or if you're in the middle of the sea, or if you're in the middle of a storm, I want you to know tonight, Jesus walks on water in the middle. He don't walk on water there or there. He walks on water in between there and there. Most, the majority of your life and mine is spent in the middle. Most of your life, is, there's not going to be a miracle happening every moment of your life. I want you to know that the goosebumps are going to fade. The lights are going to come down. The worship team's not going to sing anymore. The preacher's not going to give you a sermon. Most of your life's going to be spent in the humdrum of the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, and in the middle of the sea. Most of your life is spent there. The middle is where Jesus walks on water. And Jesus wants to get all up in the middle of your life. He wants to get so, he's so desperate to get in the middle of your life that, he's, that he allowed the enemy to create a storm. He, 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 he waited for it to get dark and he waited for you to get alone because he, he knew otherwise. And here's what happened. While they were going to, from the miracle of the 5,000 to the miracle of healing, while they were going from this miracle to that miracle, the, Jesus Jesus thought, oh my gosh, I got them. He thought, I got them. They're all alone. They're scared, right? They're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. I got them right where I want them. And he shows up, and you know what they do? Just what we do. We start rowing faster. We start, oh my gosh, there's a boogeyman out there. I got to get away from here. And they started, they were startled by him. Why? Because the middle is where he is neglected most. The middle is where Jesus, we, we tend not to pay attention in the middle. The middle, though, is like, man, when the doctor says what the doctor says, that's the middle, man. When the night gets dark and, and, and there's no light, man, that's the middle. When you're all alone and you feel like nobody's there for you, let me tell you something. That's your middle, man. And in the middle, that's when Jesus moonwalks on the water. Like that's when he shows up. And, he, and you know what's so good about it? Is he, it's, not for the, it's not for the masses. It's not for the multitudes. It's for you. It's just for you. He shows up in the middle. The middle, the principle hidden here is Jesus is most times, most times, Jesus is found in the middle. In the middle. In the unrehearsed, unscripted, dark, obscure, scary, alone, unseen middle. That's the principle locked to be revealed. That that is where Jesus is most. The majority of our life is spent in the middle. Not on a Sunday morning. Not at a miracle in a third world country. Most of our life is spent on Monday 
going to work, picking up the kids, dealing with the issues, fighting with one another, arguing, frustrated, offended. Most of our life is right there in the middle. And Jesus knows it. And Jesus wants, can somebody go shut those doors? Or you know better yet, just tell everybody come in here. That's a word, change your life forever. It's good. I'm telling you, it's good. It's honey. It's honey. I know it's honey. Because when I find about, ooh, that's honey. That's good. That's doing me right. Just shut them. Yeah, shut the doors. I don't even like to see the light out there. The middle often looks like a storm, though. Right? The middle, the middle often is full of loneliness. It's, It's full of, like, Despair and discomfort. It's full of apathy and complacency. This is the middle, you know, the, like the, the, the boxes of life, you know, where you know you got this box where you got to do that, and you got this box where you got to do that, and you, you got all the time. That's the middle. It looks like you're alone. It looks like, you know, it's dark. It's dark in the middle. And it's scary often in the middle. Storms, a lot of storms in the middle. You know, a lot of question marks in the middle. Can we make it? Are we going to get to the other side? You know, can you imagine the the infighting that was in the the boat in the middle? Shut up, Peter. Sit down. Why you always got it? You think you know everything. Sit down. Right? Can you imagine? Jesus wants to get in the middle of my mess, your mess. He wants to get in the middle of your anger, your frustration, your offense. He wants to get right in the middle. He also wants to get in the middle of your victories, your celebrations, your joy, your hope, your triumph, your your moments of of greatness. He wants to get in the middle of that too. Let me ask you this. What does the middle of your life look like? What does the middle look like? The middle is, is, I'm going to define the middle for you. So, So for the rest of your life, this is how it's defined. The middle. The middle is anything that creates confusion, detachment from the priority of his presence. That's the middle. You know how easy it is to be confused and detached from his presence in the middle of life? It's real easy. Because when it gets dark, you know, you just, somebody turn the lights on for. When you're alone, you're just like, somebody come over and sit with me. When a storm's going on, you're like, I'm dying. I'm about to drown. Somebody help me. It's easy to be detached in the middle, too. It's easy to think like the middle belongs to you. That's the deception, you know. We think that, that the miracles belong to Jesus and the middle belongs to us. That's the, that's the naivety. That's, that's the arrogance of us. Is to believe that, well, that was his and that was his, but this belongs to me. i got to do this on my own. But that's a lie. We know it's a lie because Jesus set it up and he came to them. And not only did he, you know, he could have waited until he got to the other side, but he didn't. He walked on the water. Why? Because he wanted you to know when you're alone, I walk on the water to get to you. When it's dark, I walk on the water and turn the lights on. When it's storming, I walk on the water and calm the raging sea. He wants you to know he's in your middle. He's in the middle of your, your every ordinary 
moment. He's in the middle. So I want to encourage you tonight. I want to... Well, if the middle is anything that creates confusion and detachment from the priority of his presence, be careful. Be careful not to allow rest to become the middle and miss his presence. I see this a lot. I'll deal with it in a minute, but I see it a lot. I need some rest. If you need some rest and you're in the middle, you better be careful that your detachment and your confusion, that you don't miss his presence by trying to sleep rather than, because he gives rest. Sleep does not give rest. His presence gives rest. I see a lot of uh, of believers, when life gets dark and life, they get lost and storms start to come, you know the first thing they do? They pull back. They pull back. It's your natural inclination, your proclivity is to pull back. I need rest. I need rest. I'm burnt out. You know, when you get burnt out, you know what you're doing? You, you, you're not, he's not in your middle. You're handling your middle. And you need to let him walk on water in your middle. So I'm going to encourage you tonight. Four things. I'm going to encourage you to pay attention in the middle. When you're in the middle, pay attention. When Sunday is over, the lights are off, the pastor's done preaching, the songs are all sung, I want you to pay attention to the middle. Because the middle, man, that's where he walks on the water. That's where he wants to come to you. In the, in, in the middle of the garage. In the middle of making a sandwich. In the, in the middle of the grocery store aisle, at the hospital. You know, he wants to come to you in the darkness of the night. He wants to come to you in your middle. Secondly, I want to encourage you to take your time and enjoy the middle. There's, there was such a hurry to get from, just like they were in such a hurry to get from this miracle to this miracle that they were rowing as fast as they could. And you know, we rob ourselves a lot of the joy of his presence. They, were, they saw Jesus. And when they saw him, they tried to get away from him because they were afraid. So that tells me that like, we're trying to get away and Jesus is trying to get to us. Take your time. Stop rowing so hard to get to Jesus. You might be rowing away from Jesus. Right? His presence, here's the new rule. I want you to write the new rule down. The, the new rule is this. This is gonna be fun. I want to write it down. That's the new rule of life. When it gets dark, you say, man, this is gonna be fun. When you, when you feel alone, you be like, man, I can't believe it. This is gonna be a great time. When the storms rage, this is, going to be a, this is going to be fun. Why? Because the presence of Jesus shows up in the dark, at night, when we're alone, in the middle of nowhere, when the storms rage. So we know that when Jesus shows up, it's a good time. It's always a party when Jesus shows up. Every time Jesus showed up to something, man, he, like people were healed, people were liberated, captives were set free, blind eyes were opened, deaf ears. Like it was, Every time he showed up, it was there. And we liked it. We tend to believe that like those moments aren't ordinary, but they are. They're very ordinary moments that Jesus wants to show up in, in your middle. 
So that's the new rule. This is going to be fun. But when the lights go out, just say it. Just you say it to yourself, man, this is going to be fun. Right? You ever have lights go out? This is going to be fun. <laughs> Big storm rolls in. Woohoo! This is good times, man. Great, great time. It's going to be a good time. Why? Because he's liberating. Jesus is liberating full of joy. Number three, encourage you. I want to encourage you to surrender. Surrender. Uh, you'll live your life as a believer, surrendered. We, uh, we need to repent. We need to repent because repentance brings refreshing. This is what Acts tells us that in, in chapter 3. That repentance brings refreshment. Leaders, everyone's a leader, but some in the church. Here's what you need to repent of. You need to repent of the delusion and unrealistic pressure to manifest or fabricate Jesus. You're not that anointed. You can't sing that good. You can't preach that good. It is him, his presence. Right? This, like we need to repent of performance in the house of the Lord. You know why? Because we're burnt out. Because we think in some egotistical way that we're the ones that do it. He walked on water. And the amazing thing is, is like, as long as you know he's the one who walks on the water and coming to you, the, the incredible thing is, if you keep that in perspective, you could walk on water too. You could walk on water. Not by yourself, though. That tells me if you're burnt out, you're trying to walk on water in your own strength. You can't. I just got news for you. You're not that anointed. You're not that talented. You need to repent so times of refreshing can come so you can be restored. So you can be refreshed. So you can say, man, the battle's not mine. The battle is his. I'm not going to worry about this stuff. I don't have to fabricate a moment in Jesus. Jesus will do that all by himself. You know what we learned a few, about a month ago is that Jesus, Jesus manifests himself in nothing. The, the, the worship team said nothing. And, and for about 10 minutes straight, the, the, the glory of God saturated the room under nothing. That tells me that we don't need to do nothing. And Jesus will show up and walk on water. There ain't nothing you can add to, to make him walk on the water. He just decides, like, I'm going to come and walk on the water for you. And if you're courageous enough, you'll ask me and I'll let you walk on the water with me. <laughs> So you got to repent of this pressure that you feel to manifest this presence. That's a real pressure. You got to repent of like of like thinking that the prayers are your responsibility. I mean, he said, "Listen, I, I'm going to answer those prayers, but I want you to know whether you pray or you don't. I'm going to make stuff happen. I'm going to walk on the water." But you can you can feel that pressure, and that pressure will wear you out, son. That pressure will burn you up. You're like, man, I'm all alone, God. Don't nobody out here love you but me. You'd be like the prophet in the cave crying. And God would just give you some cake because cake cures everything. 
He ain't had no cake in a while, but man, cake is good. He'd give you some cake. So, all right, take a nap. Here's eat some cake. When you, when you get up, I'll refresh you. But I want you to get a new perspective, man. You can't manifest God. You can't manifest him. All you, all you could do, you know what manifesting? Repentance. That's what manifesting. It's not perfect faith, right? It's not perfect. It's faith. It's faith. Faith is what, what manifests God. Not perfection. Just faith. Just that faith, man. Just that good old, I believe you will. I know you can. I believe it. I don't care what nobody says about it. I got that kind of faith in me. I'm just going to hold on to it, God. Not perfection. Now, if I hit these notes right, if I, if I, hmm, a little bit, yeah, no, no, Troy, that's not what does it. If I get a little more, if I get a little more, you know, uh, theological, if I give them a little more hermeneutics in it, if I, if, I, if I slide in a little eschatology, if I, you know, no, no, that ain't what does it. That's not what does it. Faith is what does it. It don't got to be perfect. It's just got to be faith. He'll walk on the water. So if you're a leader, I want you to repent of that. Just, just surrender it. Like it's, it's, it's so refreshing to surrender that. I just say, man, we go out here. You know, I'll tell you why it's refreshing. Because you, you there, are, there are days you can just come out here and stink it up. You just, you know, your prayers ain't right. <laughs> you don't feel nothing, right? It's just there's no anointing. There's no, there's no oil at all in the room, you know. It's like cracker, you know. It's like crispy in the room, you know. No, can I get some oil, please, Jesus? Just, just, a, just a little. No, no, no. It's refreshing to know, like, Troy, in the days you stink it up, I, I still show up. Yes. I still show up, man. Why? Man, because I love when you're alone. I love when it's dark. I, I'm ir- I, it's irresistible to Jesus when there's a storm in your life. He wants to show up. So the leaders, you got to repent of that, you know, like thinking it's your responsibility. It's dangerous, too. I, I don't know why I'm stuck here. It's dangerous, too, you know. You know why it's dangerous? Because you're presenting a, a version of Jesus that's, that's not authentic when you fabricate it. You know what I mean? When, when they just fall down because you touch them and it wasn't authentic. That's dangerous. Yes. Don't ever do that. Amen. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Because you want people to know the real. Yes. You need to know the real. Amen. You know the real is, you know, you know you got some real folks around you, right? Yes. You know that your brain cells and your heart cells are the same. That's why your brain, your heart thinks. That's why you, you're, sometimes your mind and your heart will argue with each other. Because you'll try to convince yourself, now nah, that's not true. They love me. <laughs> but your heart, it knows. You know what I mean? Your heart's like, hey, bro, don't, don't trust that. Right? They have these conversations. Your heart's telling you, you better get out of here. This ain't safe. And your mind's like, 
no, I, 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 it's cool. I, I did all the clearance. Like, we're good. You're hard to tell you. Yeah. So always present the authentic version of Jesus. Never try to fabricate it. So repent of that. And then f- for all of us, you know, for, now we're all leaders, and, and, uh, but for, for, for all of us, though, here's the second thing. We need to repent of making Jesus show up at our appointed times that are most convenient for us. Or, or even more, we need to repent of being casual observers and vicariously living our faith through other person's experiences. Wow. Settling for somebody else's experience with Jesus. Amen. It's okay to celebrate that, but it's not okay to forfeit your own in place of that. My, my, my son went and played uh, high school football, and he went to state. Now, when I was in the stands, man, I, was, I went to state. I was up there crying, like, yeah, I did it, finally. <laughs> Boy, man. I was like, man, the war machine did it. I vicariously went to state. We have to repent of vicariously having experience with God that are our own, but somebody else is experiencing them. That's why the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for you, he'll do it for me. So we have to repent of, of not pressing into what belongs to us, right? As followers of Christ, like, we cannot settle. I wish the, young, I wish the student ministry was here because I want to, you know, there has to be this holy dissatisfaction that we live, for, that we live with. As believers, we, we've got to stop surrendering in faith to like what society has normalized. You know that less than 85% of believers today believe the word of God is true? Whole list from front to back. That's, that's crazy, guys. That's crazy. So, but what happens is, like, if we don't repent of making Jesus, like, fit our boxes, like, just I want you to understand, they're in the middle. They had no expectation in the middle. Come talk to me. They had none. They did not expect Jesus to show up in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. They thought they were going to die. They had no expectation. They just saw Jesus feed 5,000 with some fish and loaves. They just saw it, man. They are the ones that handled the miracle. You can get so comfortable handling miracles that you become apathetic to your own. They were on, listen, and it ain't like they wasn't faithful, y'all. They was leaving one miracle. They was leaving 5,000 fed with some fish and loaves. and was on their way to see a miracle in Gennesaret. They were on their way, and it said that everybody that pressed in and touched the hem of his garment, everyone was healed. They had such faith for those moments, but not enough faith for the moment they was in. We've got to repent. 
of putting Jesus on Sunday morning, putting Jesus on Wednesday night, and not thinking about him showing up at the grocery store in our home, teaching us how to raise our kids, how to love our wives. We've got to repent of not allowing Jesus to come in the middle. And you would think, you would think that they're the disciples of God, I mean, they would know, like, it's dark, call on Jesus. It gets dark, I want to encourage you, call, you better call on Jesus. Don't call on, don't call on a pastor, don't call on, on, a, on a disciple, you better call on Jesus. If the storm starts raging in your life, I mean, listen, don't call the Coast Guard. Don't call the president. Don't call the politician. If the storms of God, uh, uh, the storms of this world start raging in your life, I'm going to tell you, you better call Jesus. If it gets dark in your life and you don't see the way out, man, let me tell you something. There ain't a flashlight bright enough that's going to help you with your situation. You better call on Jesus. And these are the disciples, you know, and you're like to believe that you, you know, you got more faith than the disciples, but we don't. We don't. The same proclivities that they dealt with are the same that we deal with. There is a nature inside of us that says, I'll find the light switch. I'll row harder. Huh? There's a, I'll, I'll bucket the water out of this boat as fast as I can. I'll, I'll preserve my own life. There is that nature that we all live with. But we have to repent because he wants to show up in the middle. He wants to come right in the middle. And I want to encourage you, lastly, to protect your peace. You know, you got to protect it. This is what I know. This, 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 this is exactly what I know. That it is very peculiar and interesting to me how the enemy uses our pursuit of his presence to destroy our peace. You say, what? Oh, yeah. The pursuit of his presence, he'll put such anxiety and obligation on it that it'll ruin your joy. You've been around in the faith for you Wednesday night, so I know you know. You've been around long enough to know that if the enemy, if he can't get you to sin, he'll turn your devotion into obligation. You want to know what's wrong today with most of us? We've allowed the enemy to convince us that loving Jesus and serving Jesus is an obligation, not a devotion. That's why you burn out. (laughs) That's why I need a break. You don't need a break. You don't need a break. Young people, I love when young people tell me. I can say that now. I'm almost 50. I love when young people tell me tired. I need a break. A break? A break from what, son? A break? Man, you better, you better give the, you better mash the right pedal a little more, rip the brake off. You need to go, right? Because what the enemy has done, you're trying to do, you, you, you think it's obligatory to love Jesus because that's the trick of the enemy. If the enemy wants to, if he wants to diffuse you in any area of your life, he'll make it an obligation. That job you prayed for, guess what? 
turned into an obligation. Now you don't want to go. That person you're married to, guess what? Turned into an obligation. Now you don't like them no more. Now you feel a certain way. What will he do? He'll turn a devotion into an obligation. As soon as he does that, gotcha. He'll turn your dream into an obligation eventually if you let him. If you let him, he'll take the things you pray for and turn them into an obligation. And once they become an obligation, count the days, man. Count the days. I could watch you fall back. Pretty soon, you started in the first row. Pretty soon, you're on the third. Pretty soon, you're in the fifth. Pretty soon, you're in the last. Pretty soon, you're out in the foyer. Next thing you know, they ain't here no more. Why? Because the enemy turned their devotion into obligation. The enemy convinced them and compelled them that to love God and to serve God and to sacrifice. That's what's wrong. We thought that it was all free and all fun, when, but when the sacrifice time came, when it came time to do it when you didn't feel like doing it, that's the sacrifice, you know. That's the sacrifice you know when the sacrifice is when you don't feel like doing it but you do it anyway unto the Lord that's when you got the devil you want to punish the devil I tell you what take your feelings and put them next to the toilet in your house and I'm telling you you will punish the devil you'll punish him so (laughs) I know this is true because I hear a lot of stories about how Man, we just got here. We're about to kill each other, but we got here. Right? You know, you know as much as I do, on the way to church sometimes, you want to commit homicide. <laughs> you want to you beat the candy out of your kids sometimes. Man, if you don't put those shoes on, man, I'm, if you don't be quiet back there. You don't say be quiet. You use the S word. Shut up. You don't shut up back there. You know what I mean? You're cussing at each other. You're ready to choke each other. Walk through the door. Hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Man, thank God we're here. You know what I mean? <laughs> the enemy will fight your devotion. You got to know the enemy will fight your devotion. He don't, like, just think about where, where marriage is in our, in our country. You know why marriage is so, is so dangerous to the enemy? Because he knows what it represents. Yeah. He knows that that, he knows that when, he knows that, that's why he's perverting it. That's why he's allowing it to be perverted. Because he knows that it represents the bridegroom and the bride. And if there is a bridegroom and there is a bride, then the bridegroom's coming back for his, that's coming in 23. But I can't get there right now. So, uh, so everybody say this to me, Jesus is my destination. He's not a destination. He's not the destination. He's mine. You got to make him your destination, church. He has to be your destination. Not Sunday. Not songs. Not sermons. Not sacrifice even. But him. He is the destination. And as long as he's the destination, liberation and joy will always be yours. You could be in the middle of the night, still be happy, still be liberated. You could be all alone in this life, not a friend in the world, but you could still be happy. You could still be liberated. It could be, it could be storming. It could be earthquakes, and you could still be happy, still be liberated. 
Right? He's your destination. I'm going to say this with me. Jesus, I invite you into my middle. Middle of my seat. Middle of my darkness. Middle of my storm. Stand up. Let's pray as we close. Father, thank you tonight that you are with us when we're alone. Come on. You are with us when we're alone. I thank you tonight, Jesus, that you are with your people tonight. Those who are here, those who are watching online, I want you to know he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's with you. He's with you in the heartbreak. He's with you through the fight. He's with you. He's right there in the middle. I want you to know tonight, he's with you. Jesus, I pray right now for you to walk on the water for those who are in storms tonight. Storms of sickness. Storms of rejection, pain. Storms of confusion, addiction. Walk on the water tonight, Jesus. He's coming straight to you. Jesus, walk on the water. have to be afraid of the dark. He is the light of the world. Turn on the lights tonight. As you come walking, you're turning on the lights for many of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. to Jesus. You say, I've never really given my heart to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer. Christians all over the room, all over the web, are praying right now. Just pray this with me, Jesus. I should forgive me my sin. I repent. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I promise to live for you from this day forward. Take my life, change this world, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to open the altars up. I'd like to take a few minutes to spend Terry in the presence of the Lord. You're welcome to do that. Could it be that God loves you so much? He loves you so much that he let a storm happen. He let the lights go out. He didn't turn them on, but he let it happen. He lets you get to a place where his voice and his presence could be clearly identifiable. Could it be?
He's trying to walk on water for you tonight. Straight to you. Straight to you. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. See you. See you Sunday. God bless you.